Hey there, and welcome to the Alinea Church Podcast, your place to get all of Alinea Church's previous messages, messages designed to equip you on your journey with Christ. This week, we continue our series on the book of James. Have a great week and enjoy. Uh, I also want to say uh, how proud I am of our team. We had a chili cook-off at the town square yesterday. Let's give it up for our team. They did a great job. So outside on the table, uh, you can find out uh, what they cooked. And let me say, and I know it might sound like I'm biased, theirs was the best. Uh, They did a chicken pot pie soup. And if you want to know the recipe, it's out there. Uh, uh, Jennifer and I went out there in the pouring rain. Uh, My wife is so funny. She was like, I feel like I'm on a scene from Gilmore Girls. Um, (laughs) Just walking around. And uh, let me tell you, I I thought that when you did a chili cook-off, you're supposed to bring your best stuff. Some people did not bring their best stuff. (laughs) There's one tasted like dish soap. There's one that was like uh, the temperature of a refrigerator. Uh, Yeah, so you're in good shape. Let me just say this. You did a good job. Um, I also want to say thank you to those who did the Halloween houses on Monday. That was a hoot. I had so much fun, I got to go. Actually, there was one house, uh, by the time I was going to get to your house, you'd already texted us, said you ran out of candy bars. Uh, so um, uh, Heather, uh, their house ran out before we even got to go visit them. Uh, so uh, this town knows how to trick or treat. Lord have mercy. I mean, it was like a, a madhouse. Uh, so really, really great job. And we just got to uh, bless a bunch of kids and invite them to Uh, to our church. And last thing, I just want to say this. It goes without saying, if you win the $1.9 billion Powerball, please tithe. (laughs) Yeah, please tithe. Um, What is one person supposed to do with that much money? Figure it out. I'll figure it out, right? (laughs) All right. So everybody's here because we have a big announcement, right? Um, And so let me back up a little bit and and share a little bit of my story. Um, I got to be part of a portable church in uh, Virginia. Started in 2005 and went from a little community center to an elementary school, to a high school, to another high school, to two high schools, to it's, it's a, I need a whiteboard to draw all that out. It was a lot. Um, So I have been portable for most of my ministry life. And the thing about portability um, that I like to say is you never want the shoe to tell the foot how big it's supposed to be. So a lot of times when you go build a building, you build a building and you end up building it too small because God blesses and then you run out of room and you're like, now what we're gonna do. That's why when you look at old churches, they have like the small sanctuary and they build the next, the medium sized sanctuary and then they have the large sanctuary on, on the side of it. And so um, I'm very much against building something too soon. But at the same time, uh, portability can be difficult, especially when you're starting out in your small church. And this school, of all the schools I have worked with, I think I've counted up, I've worked with nine different schools in my ministry career. This has by far been the best school I have ever worked with. They have been so gracious to us, so generous to us, they took a chance on us. We didn't, you know, we barely had an EIN number and they're like, sure, come on in. Um, and so uh, we're so thankful to Oakland Middle School and the faculty and the staff and 
Heather and Missy, they come in here every Sunday and, and open the doors for us and, and, and take care of us. Um, but at the same time, I, I was also looking with another eye towards another place. And I, I have driven my uh, realtor crazy because I would, I literally took a day and drove all over Murfreesboro taking pictures of places and sending them to him. He's like, that's too much. It's too, it's already taken, whatnot, whatnot. Um, and so uh, he's like, something will open up, something will open up. Well, I'm glad to say something has opened up. You guys have been praying for a space for us uh, that we can call our own. And uh, beginning November 27th, Thanksgiving weekend, so nobody can travel for Thanksgiving now. <laughs> See how I did that. Um, the beginning November 27th, we are gonna be moving to a place called Austin Audio. Uh, it's down by the train tracks downtown. If you know where Panther Creek Brewing is, it's right across the street from Panther Creek Brewing. And I want you to know this is actually better than what we have been praying for. Because when I've been praying for something, I've been praying like, God, we need four to 6,000 square feet that we can sign like a, a three-year lease and we can build it out and we can put our stuff in and everything. No, God's like, you don't need that. I got something better for you. This is an audiovisual company. They have their own event room. Um, we get to pay a monthly rent. We go in, we use all of their equipment. We don't have to use any of our equipment. So there's no more setup and tear down. Can I get an amen? Yeah. yeah, those of you who don't set up and tear down, you don't get to clap. Um, that's joking, that's joking. Uh, just joking. Um, they actually, <clears throat> there was a church that used to be in there. Uh, the previous church, they built them uh, three rooms for kid space. So not only do we get to uh, meet in the auditorium, have our own um, AVL and everything, they've got screens, um, they have their own kid space that we get to leave all of our stuff up as well. So we don't have, only set up and tear down we're gonna be doing from now on is we get to, uh, we, we get to set up our, our flags and we get to set up our directional signage and that's it. Um, and the last thing that I'm the most excited about is they have video cameras, which means we now get to video record our services and put them on the website, which is really great. So now when you say, listen, we have got the most handsome pastor and he's such a good speaker, you can give them the link and then it shows me. It's like, you know, I don't know if we'll grow or shrink from that, but we'll see. Um, but I just wanna say thank you for praying and thank you to our big God for going above and beyond anything that we could ever ask or imagine, amen. So, so we're excited about that. Now that's November 27th. And let me say this about November 27th, um, that week, end, we begin a brand new series coming out of James that we can, we begin a series called At The Movies, all right? It's just a fun series uh, where we take uh, movies and we, uh, we take out of them, you know, God's truth is truth no matter where it's found, right? Um, and a, a, a famous theologian said that in, in 200 AD. Uh, and so we lift out biblical truth out of these uh, movies that they didn't even know were there. And we're doing all Christmas movies, all your favorite Christmas movies. And it's a lot of fun. And, you know, uh, the best Christmas movies like Die Hard. And uh, now my, my wife has already put the kibosh on that. So, 
So you want to be there. It's going to be a, a, a really, really fun uh, series. Um, all right. So we're in week four of our book of James. And just a couple of reminders. Um, James is actually um, James the Just or Jacob. And he is giving us 12 teachings about wisdom that he has gathered over the years, all right? And he's the leader of the Jerusalem church. And uh, what we've done is we've grouped them. We've grouped them into five topics. And what we've already covered so far is, okay, how do we treat people, all right? How do we treat people? Then also how we communicate our speech is a reflection of our heart. How we treat people is a reflection of our heart. And today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how our perspective, our perspective communicates our heart. Now, remember, we have a key verse that we're using for this uh, sermon series, James 1, 22 through 25, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone who is looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not forgetful here, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. We'll be blessed in what he does. Now, as, uh, as a, a human, it's easy to get wrapped up in doing. Like one of the things that is a, a detriment to us is we can be defined by what we do, right? Uh, well, I'm a plumber, I'm an electrician, or I am a nurse, and, and, uh, or you know, I, I am a, a race car driver, whatever. And if you're not good at that profession, you can actually think, less of yourself because you've, uh, you've tied up your identity in what you do. And how many of you all know that what you do does not define who you are? Who you are is who God says who you are, that you are a, you are a son or a daughter who is created in his image, right? That's what defines you. Now, James is super smart. And he understands like, all right, this is very much a, hey, I want you to uh, walk the walk, not just talk the talk book. That's what he's getting. He's, it's a heart check, right? He's like, listen, you really say that you believe Jesus, then it matters how you talk about people. It matters what comes out of your mouth. Even when your team is losing, it matters what comes out of your mouth. Some of you will get that. Um, it matters how you treat people. If you believe that if you're a follower of Christ, how you treat people, how you give certain people favoritism and other people you, you treat as, as secondhand, that matters. What you believe should, should come out in your actions. But James is super smart because he realizes it's not just what you do. How you believe in your faith should not just reflect in your hands. Now, obviously, we want to be good citizens. Obviously, we want to treat people with respect. Obviously, we want to, our speech to be pure. Obviously, there is a kind of a moral code that, that God gives us. He wants us to live by. Obviously, but he also is like, hey, I want you to focus on something else as well. I want you to focus on your soul. 
Because what you believe or your faith, what God makes new, a new creation, that's your spirit. And your spirit informs your soul and your soul is, is how you think and it's, and it's how you feel and, it's, and it's, it's, it's kind of your worldview. And then that actually informs what comes out of your body, what you say. Because you can be a child of God and you can have stinking thinking and that will reflect what comes out of your mouth right? You can be a child of God and you can not control your emotions and that informs what comes off of your hands going down the road, right? Right? Because it all works together. This is what God makes new. This is what God is changing day by day and it should reflect in our actions. And what this right here is, what James is wanting us to get is perspective. He wants us to address perspective, specifically perspective in our circumstances. Because I don't know if you know this, but sometimes life is great. Sometimes life is not so great. Sometimes life is awesome. You're, the king of the hill, everything's going right. And then sometimes you're getting a pink slip. Sometimes your kids are just, just squishy and kissy and they got, they're just so sweet. And, you, and then sometimes they're out back doing stuff they're not supposed to. And you're like, what are you doing? Why can't we go back to when you were six months old? Life has its ups and downs and James wants us to understand it's going to be that way, but we have to have the right perspective. A perspective is basically your worldview or it's the, it's the lens by which you see the world. I used to uh, do this thing called cruising timber, which sounds way more fun than it really was. But what I would do, I was in East Texas and they would give me a map, and this was before GPS, and they would give me a map, and I would get to the edge of a pine plantation where someone has legitimately went out there and planted pine like 15 years ago, like carrots. And I would go out there and I would count trees for Georgia Pacific or, or who, whoever, because a lot of people had their retirement wrapped up in, in, in pine plantations because it was a paper product. And so what I would do is I would walk, I would, I would have to count my steps, how many, how many different paces I had to go to my first point, and I would go point after point after point. And every time I'd get to a point, I took some tape out, I wrote on it what point I was, I would tie it to a, a, a tree branch, and then I would pull out my prism. And when I pulled out my prism and I looked through the prism, some of the trees in my field of vision in my left eye and some of the trees in my field of vision in my right eye, and my right eye was looking through the prism, they would touch. And if they would touch, I would count the tree. If they didn't touch, meaning they were too far away or they were too small in diameter, I wouldn't count them. Why? Because the prism changed my perspective. 
This is your Christian worldview. It is how you see the world. It's how you see your circumstances. How you see your circumstances is the lens by which you see what is going on around you and how God is playing a part in it. A lens is how do you see the world? Do you see the world as God is involved? Do you see the world that God is in control? Do you see the world that God is for you? That he is with you? That he wants to bless you? And so what James does is he goes through the book talking about perspective of our circumstances. The first one he says is consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So the first thing that James wants us to do when we encounter struggles, encounter trials in life is he wants us to have a perspective or an attitude of joy, that we should be the most joyous people on the planet. Why? Because we know the creator and the creator has redeemed us and we have a relationship with our father. How amazing is that? Do we stop and think about that for a moment? You know, I, I, I was listening to a, a preacher talk about this, about how we can allow our circumstances to dictate the joy in our life. You know, one day it's great, another day it's bad. I'll be happy when, I'll be happy if. And he was saying, well, didn't Jesus already demonstrate his love for you that while you were still sinners, he died for you? Shouldn't that give you joy right off the bat? That perspective that Jesus loved you enough to sacrifice for you? In fact, it says in Hebrews 12 too, for the joy that lay before him. Now think about that for a second. The joy lay, so putting this in perspective and putting this with James, James says, count it great joy, my brothers and sisters. So do we look at that and go, we should have joy when we stub our toe. You know, you get up in the middle of the night, you gotta go to the bathroom and you don't realize that, that something's been left in the, or you got kids and they have Legos and you step on them. That's, that's joyous, right? No, it's not joyous. That's where, that's, where, that's where James talking about your speech really comes into play. It's not, it's not joy that the circumstance is happening. It's joy that God is in control because watch what Hebrews says, that the joy set before him, the joy was not the cross. The joy was you and me. How do I know this? For the joy lay before him, he endured the cross despising its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He had a longer perspective. That's why he had joy, is because he saw you and he saw you and he saw you. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This is holy to our Lord. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the, what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. 
the joy of, that's why when you see people going through circumstances that you cannot imagine going through and they just have a posture of joy and you're like, how are they doing that? Because their perspective is different. Their perspective is, is set right. Their perspective is on the right end game. Passage number two in James 5, 7 through 8, James wants us to have a perspective of patience or or, or, or long-standing, right? He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You also must be patient. I hate patience because I am by nature an impatient person. I like and the thing is, society, that's, this, is what, this is what society has done to us, is because we post something and we, bing, like I got my like, like just like that. You like instant feedback. Instant feedback is great. Uh, um, we used to have uh, seven acres in central Virginia. I didn't mow any of it. She did. She loved to mow, and, uh, and I always got a bad rap about that. But she was like, I like the instant gratification of getting on the lawnmower and plowing a path and looking behind me and seeing what I have done. It's the instant gratification. But when you plant something, the farmer has to wait, right? There is a patience game that the farmer is playing, and it's excruciating. I remember when we left uh, Texas way back in, oh gosh, when was that? 2000 and 2005. And I had a job lined up with a church in North Las Vegas. And I went and interviewed for them and they were a church plant and they had raised support for the senior pastor and raised support for the worship pastor and I was gonna be the worship pastor. And I kept calling, have you made a decision yet? No, have you made a decision yet? No, have you made a decision yet? No, finally I called and I said, I've got to either order my U-Haul truck for North Las Vegas or I've got to order it for Lynchburg, Virginia and I'm just gonna go get my master's degree because I can't wait on you any longer. And you know what he said? He said, I'm sorry, you're not West Coast enough. I'm not going to hire you. And I don't even know what West Coast is. I mean, if, if I'm not West Coast enough, so be it. I, I am who I am. Um, and so we ended up going to Lynchburg, Virginia to get my master's. And I was so upset. But if I had a perspective of patience, understanding what God was doing behind the scenes, maybe I wouldn't have been so upset Maybe I wouldn't have been so upset if I had known that that place that I went to would have started with 50 people and ended with 6,000 people. Maybe I wouldn't have been so upset or maybe I wouldn't have been so upset if I had realized that that pastor that interviewed me had two affairs and ran off with his secretary. That maybe God knows what he's doing. Maybe in the trials and the circumstances, God knows how to work together everything, everything. You mean that hurt that I have? Everything for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Everything that you've gone through, God can turn it into something precious if you let him. He wants to trade your ashes for beauty because he loves you. And he has created you in his image. Patience, I call that waiting it out. He just wants you to wait it out. But he also wants you to strengthen. He wants you to build it out. 
He says, keep going in that passage, James 5, 8, strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near, brothers and sisters. Do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. In fact, in Ephesians 6.10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. There is an onus on us to strengthen ourselves in the spirit. There is an onus on us to strengthen ourselves in the things of faith. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but do not despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Why? Because we are strengthened in the spirit of the Lord. So he wants us to wait it out. He wants us to build it out. He wants us also to stick it out. He wants us to endure. James 5, 10 and 11, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. They didn't quit easily. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord has brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Romans 5, 3 through 5. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions. Sounds like James is writing this, right? But Paul, we boast in our afflictions because we know that the affliction produces what? Endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given it to us. Isn't it interesting that James says, listen, we want you to endure, right? But then we learn from Paul that, wait a minute, it's the trials that James just talked about at the beginning of his book that builds the endurance. Can I borrow that? It's like, it's almost like the trials in life become a weight. Why are we laughing? I thought it was because of my, my awesome physique. You were thinking, wow, he's going to pump some iron. This is, the thing with, this is the thing with circumstances. Circumstances can be heavy. But I will never grow in strength unless I pick up something heavy. Because when you pick up something heavy and you start curling this dumbbell over and over and over, you are actually ripping apart the muscle fibers in your bicep. And when you rip apart the muscles in your bicep, the body, knowing what it's supposed to do, comes in and it starts to rebuild that muscle, but strengthening it so that it can maintain the load it just went under. And let me tell you this, that when you experience the weight of the world and the circumstances of the world, that God is able to take those circumstances and build inside of you the strength 
and the character to be able to withstand that same weight next time it comes again. So it's not just the trial that God wants us to have a joyous attitude on. It's not just the trial that God wants us to endure. God knows that the trial is actually going to build inside of you the endurance that you seek. That's why when you see people who've gone through hell and high water at the end of their age, they realize that over time, God was building something inside of them that they could not themselves. I was listening to a podcast and the guy said, we only hire people that have stories of crappy jobs. Except he didn't say crappy. Because he knows that people who have had crappy jobs, like crappy jobs, like they got paid to like literally shovel crap. Like when they have jobs like that, that are, that are not glamorous, they're not glorious, they're, they're not anything that you want to put on your resume. When they have jobs like that, they know that inside of them, that is built some sort of character that that job place is going to benefit from. Because the trials and the struggles do, that's why it is true when you're raising kids, you're like, get out there, mow the lawn, rake the leaves, it builds character. I hate it when my parents say that. It's such a cliche, it's gonna build character. You know what, it actually does. It actually does, it builds character. Now, how can we do this? We do this by keeping perspective, but ultimately we've got to keep our perspective on Jesus. That's how you can endure something, but keep your eyes on the end game and know that God is still for you, even though the circumstances are difficult because you've got your eye on the end game. That's why in 1 Thessalonians, and this is a, a passage I, I always preach at a funeral. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. What's Paul talking about there? People who have no hope because they don't know Jesus they cry a different cry. The people who hope in Jesus and they know who he is and they know that they will be with him for eternity, their cry is different. Their mourn is different. Their grief is different because they have a different worldview and they have a different perspective of the end game. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. This is the key right here. How do we have joy through perspective? How do we, how do we have joy through suffering? How do we, how do we endure through suffering? How, how are we to be patient through suffering? Right here, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. 
For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Paul has a different perspective of his end game. So we fix our eyes. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is temporal. These are light and momentary struggles. What you're growing, going through is difficult. What you're going through is tough. What you're going through is not fun. But Paul wants us to know, and James wants us to know, and Jesus wants us to know that they are light and momentary compared to the eternal glory that you're gonna have when you are with Jesus. It is a different worldview. It is a different perspective. That's why those who us who hope in Jesus, we have a different reaction to the things that go on around us. That's why James understands it's not just about what you do. It's not just about what you say. It's not just about how you act. It is about how you think. And we need to think differently than the rest of the world that Jesus is in control and that he sees you and that he loves you and that he knows you and that he is with you and that you're going to be okay. because we fix our eyes on Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. God, we love you and we thank you for this promise that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And God, help us. It's hard. It's hard when life is hard. Help us. Help us to have the right perspective. Help us to have the right end game view. And I just wanna give, always give people an opportunity, just your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you've never accepted Christ, if this is something that you don't have, you don't have a, you don't have a Christian worldview because you don't know Jesus, you don't know that he's for you, you don't, have a relationship with him, but you would like to begin a relationship with him today. We just ask you just to raise your hand. Just right now, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Okay, thank you. God, we thank you, Father God, that we have hope in you. We thank you that you are for us and you are with us. We thank you that you are in control. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm excited. Uh, I want to ask everybody for the next three weeks, we're all on teardown. Amen and amen. Three more weeks, that's all we have. Um, listen, if you call Linnea Church home and you give here, thank you for your generosity. Uh, we're going to be moving into a place that's a little bit more expensive, but it's okay because you guys have been generous and you've been giving. Um, if you do call any church home or you want to begin giving here, you can text the amount on your phone to 84321 or you can give at alineachurch.org forward slash give. And it's, we, we don't coax you to do that. We just ask you to ask God what to give and then just 
just obey him and we just believe that if we just do that formula, then God's gonna take care of us, gonna take care of you. And so we just thank you. We want you to be a cheerful giver uh, in this place. Also, we have our partnership process, two steps, one-on-one discovering who the church is, two-on-one discovering who you are as a believer. Um, one-on-one is taking place today, right across the hallway. Um, if you did not sign up, but you want to come to one-on-one today, just make your way across the hallway and I will meet you over there. And it takes about 45 minutes to go through that. Um, and that's it, right? Anything else? The boss says, no, we're good. Would you everybody stand with me? Let me pray a blessing of, over you. God, I just pray a blessing over the people and the hearers of my voice and the hearers of your word today, that you'd be with them this week. Let them know that you walk with them. Let them know that you see their pain and their struggle. Let them know that, Father God, they have blessing in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Let them be hands and feet to the world around them. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 Thank you all and I'll see you next week. Well, thank you for tuning in today. If you would like more information about Alenia Church, you can go to alenniachurch.org forward slash connect. There you can enter in your information. You can ask about more information about the church and you can even let us know if you've prayed to receive Christ. We would love to put a free gift in your hand to equip you on this new journey. If you would like to partner with this ministry, you can do so by going to alineachurch.org forward slash give. There you can make an easy tax-deductible gift to further the reach of the gospel through Alinea Church. Would you also pray about becoming a monthly partner through your financial giving? Our site makes it easy to set up a recurring schedule. Our prayer is that we are able to begin video recording these messages in the 2022 year and your giving will help make that possible. Please take a moment to share this message, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you get your regular diet of podcasts. It helps us by getting the word out about what God is doing here in Middle Tennessee. If you live in the Middle Tennessee area and you don't yet have a church home, we would love to host you at Alinea Church, meeting at Oakland Middle School, 453 Desjarnet Drive, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We hope to see you there. Remember, God sees you, He loves you, and He wants the best for you. God bless.